You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode. Uh, I'm excited about every episode I do, but this one in particular is important to me. Um, If you know me by now, you know that I love to read business books, marketing books, sales books. I feel like I I gain a little bit of knowledge every time I I finish a book. But after a while, a lot of the books start to sound the same. But every once in a while, a book comes out that changes the game for me anyway. I can't speak for everybody, but it does for me. And the most recent book I read uh, is Do It Selling by David Newman, who's my guest today in a funny story. I was driving one Friday night listening to the podcast of David and somebody else that he was doing an episode with somebody and he was talking about the book. And I listened to the whole thing and I thought to myself, I got to get this book. So I went out and I bought it on my Kindle. I read it that weekend. And then Monday, I applied some of the principles and actually closed a deal sale from it. So I am so excited about this book and I'm excited to talk to David, who is here right now to talk about do it selling this book. David, thank you for being here. This is going to be great. Hey, Ryan, it's so great to be here. And I love that you are Mr. Action Jackson. Read the book, (laughs) implement the ideas, go make a sale, go make some money. 100%. So there's a lot to talk about as far as the strategies in this book. But first, before we get into that, David, tell us about your background and how you evolved into this sort of role of this this dynamic way of selling. Sure. Well, <laughs> I guess like most of your guests, Ryan, when we talk about sales, I was the accidental salesperson. And uh, I had a 10-year corporate consulting career. I left that in 2002, figuring... I know how to do consulting. I know how to do training. I know how to do coaching. Why am I doing it for other people? I can do it for me and keep all the money. So totally naive entrepreneur, because of course, once you get on the outside, it's not about doing the work. It's about selling the work. And I had to be the world's worst salesperson. So there is an element here of we sometimes end up Uh, teaching and loving what we most need to learn ourselves early on. And I really wrote, I wrote the do it selling book for people that are like me 20 years ago, meaning you love the work of your work. You just don't like the sales part or you don't get it, or it's not what you signed up for, or it's a necessary evil, or it's the least favorite part of your day and how to make it the most favorite part of your day Because really, the whole sales conversation is about connection and helping and serving. It's not about pitching or pushing or peddling. Right, right. And I got to tell you, early on in my sales career, we're talking over 10 years, um, it was all about cold call, pitch, sell. It's a numbers game, push, push, push. And people are wiser now. Like they, they... They shy away from that. They do not want that. And that's why I love this book, because it's a completely different approach to sales. So can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, well, you make a great point. You summarized it brilliantly. You know, this is selling for adults. And um, the way that I want folks to think about this 
is even if you're a hardcore professional full-time salesperson and you've been doing it for 20, 30 years, you take off your sales hat and in life, Ryan, you and I are both sales professionals and we're also prospects. We're right. also customers. We're also clients. So we know when we have a great business relationship with a sales professional or with a company, and we know when we're being pitched and right. we know when we're being peddled and we know when someone is, has that commission breath and they're only interested in making the sale, pushing that product or service, getting their commission check, and they're not listening to us and they're right. not connecting to us and they're not customizing anything that they're saying or doing. It's almost like it's so frustrating because as a prospect, we feel like we're talking to a tape recorded message. Right. And uh, for you young kids, if you're not sure what tape is, look it up on <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah. But having a real human to human conversation, that's another one of the points that I share in the book that everyone is so concerned about B2B versus B2C. Am I selling to a consumer? Am I selling to a corporation? Am I selling to a big company? Am I selling to a small company? We're always selling to a human being. Right. or a collection of human beings. And yep. the more that we humanize our approach and come into a sales conversation with a genuine sense of curiosity and a genuine come from of wanting to help, wanting to listen and wanting to serve that client and help them solve a problem. So we need to do a lot of discovery. We need to do a lot of strategic questioning and then use those answers to move the sales conversation forward in a way that is immediately relevant and immediately connects with that prospect's biggest urgencies, biggest priorities, what they wanna do, what they wanna fix, what they wanna avoid, and how they want to solve this problem or achieve this outcome that our product or service helps them to do. So it's yeah. like shortening the path and accelerating the speed that a customer or a client will get an outcome that they already know they want. Now, right. who wouldn't want to do that for a living? That sounds like you are Santa Claus. That sounds like you are a doctor and you've got the antidote, you've got the cure, and the world is full of sick and suffering people. And I like to think of sales as uh, one of the helping professions yeah. and one of the fixing and solving professions. And it's not about pushing and pitching and being selfish. It's about being selfless and it's about truly connecting with what a prospect wants and needs to do. If that is solved best by investing in your product or service, great. If it is not solved best by investing in your product or service, that's great too. We're not in the business of making sales. Ryan, one of my firm beliefs, and this is in the book as well, the soundbite, we're here to we're here to help people make decisions. Mm -hmm. And a yes decision is awesome and a no decision is awesome where you don't want to end up is that squishy middle where it's right. neither a hell yes it's I'm sorry it's neither a hell yes or yeah. a hell no it's one of these yeah lukewarm you know I'll think about it let me check with my dad. Let me check with my mom. Let me check with my spirit animal. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah. visit this next quarter. And that person, we either have totally screwed up the sales conversation 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We've either done too much pitching and not enough listening, or, and this is totally legitimate, or that client truly does not have the problem that we're solving, or if they do have the problem, it's not important enough for them to invest in solving it. And to me, that's an automatic no, and I want to wish them well and move on to a serious prospect. Yeah. One of the biggest things I think I learned in listening to you and reading the book is there's always a deeper why or outcome they want. So I'll give you an example. Like today I talked to somebody who is a photographer and he he does photography on the side, but he works full time. And I knew in my head talking to him that his goal, and actually what he told me is I want to, I want to do photography as my full time. I want it to be my business full time. So even though I knew he he wanted to be a photographer and of course make sales, get clients and all that, the real underlying goal is I want to be a photographer full time. I want to own my business, my photography business myself. So do you think, and what are your strategies to diving into their why, their emotion, the real outcome they want, the deeper outcome, David, how do you feel like you can approach that from an emotional level? I think it's just that, you know, so there's a whole bunch of um, sections in the Do It Selling book about deep, deep uh, questioning. And I, I use two metaphors. One is a courtroom attorney doing a cross-examination, and the other is an investigative journalist. So think about someone sitting down on 60 Minutes or sitting down with Oprah or sitting down with a, a truly master interviewer. That interviewer, they not only ask the surface questions, and a lot of salespeople, I think, make this mistake. They will want to be polite. They will want to be nice. They will want to make sure that the prospect likes them. So they're always asking these kind of surface level questions, kind of like a guppy in the ocean. And a, a true sales professional is much more like a shark. A shark goes deep and a shark goes deep in the ocean quickly. So we need to uncover the reason behind the reason, the issue behind the issue, the problem behind the problem. And I think all of the seasoned sales pros that are listening to us, Ryan, recognize that when a prospect approaches you, wants an initial conversation, the first issue is almost never the real issue or it's never the biggest issue. The first problem they talk about is never the real problem. It's never the, you know, it's always going to be a symptom. It's going to be a tangent. It's going to be some observable problem that's above the waterline, if we use another analogy, which is an iceberg, we want to go to level two, level three, level four under that iceberg and really find out why are we doing this? Why is this important to you personally, professionally, and financially? And these are literal questions that I recommend sales professionals start to ask, right? right? What happens if we get this right? What happens if we get this wrong? You know, people might say, hey, Ryan, I got a crazy question for you. What if things just continue exactly as they are? But we ask this with a genuine sense of curiosity. It's not meant to be a trap. It's not meant to be a trick. Mm -hmm. So our come from needs to be genuine openness. And we need to be very open and very comfortable and very safe in asking these questions so that people feel okay being vulnerable and they let their shields down. Right. When you ask these surface level questions and it starts to feel like they're being peppered, 
yeah. or you know, in- interrogated by yeah. the FBI, right. it's very easy to create a list of questions and then just start machine gunning the poor prospect. Well, tell me about this and why is that happening? And tell me more about that. And what happens if this and what happens if that? So I can use the same exact framework or the same exact language if my come from is genuine care and concern and curiosity, the prospect will open up and will right. become vulnerable and will start to share the reasons behind the reasons and so forth. If I have this attitude of, I got to get through my questions. You need to answer my questions. I need to extract this information from you so I can make my sale. Believe it or not, you can say the exact same words. You can use the exact same framework and they will shut down and those yeah. shields will fly up faster than you can imagine and you will not get any valuable actionable or intimate information from that prospect and you will be relegated to that transactional sale and that transactional conversation and you will never have the privilege of having that transformational conversation that goes deep stays deep and really surfaces everything that's going on with that prospect and I have to tell you, like I've fallen into that transactional type salesperson in the past, and I'm still working at not being that person. Because um, I remember years ago, it'd be, here's a script, and here's the script you have to follow. If you follow this script, it will be perfect. You'll get a sale. <laughs> but the problem is, is that the script and the person are different, right? Yes. People aren't ro- robots. You can't give them a script and they go, okay, yes, 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 no. Right. So you have to understand that you are a human being talking to another human being and everybody has a different personality, a different way of learning, a different way of thinking, different goals, different mindsets. So I think that's what, what is really important. David, can you share any like particular examples you have experienced or any of your clients have experienced using sort of these this dynamic way of selling you're talking about? Oh, sure. So, I mean, let's talk about, we have a whole variety of these. Um, you know, you might be talking to someone who is in their early to late 40s, mm-hmm. and uh, they've got a couple college tuitions because they got a couple kids that are college age. They're either in college or about to go to college. And you say, you know, why is this important to you? Let's say they're an entrepreneur, they own their own business. Why is this important to you? Well, because I want to make more sales. Okay, well, that's interesting. You know, I'm curious, Ryan, did something happen recently? Like, did you have a conversation with your CFO or with your accountant that you now suddenly realize that you need to make more money? Mm -hmm. And it's, oh, no, David, it's not my accountant. It's not anything like that. Uh, We have three daughters. And, uh, you know, the three daughters are, you know, two are in college and one is about to go. And so I've got three $50,000 a year tuitions that I have to cover. And I realized that I got to grow my business. I got to grow my profits. I got to grow my sales. And this is really important. I'd be like, wow, interesting. Tell me about the kids. Well, kid number one is at LSU and kid number two is at Penn State and kid number three happened to get into Harvard. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Harvard? Holy smoke. What's the Harvard tuition these days? David, I'll tell you, it's pushing 90 grand, 90 grand for tuition, room, board, books, all this stuff. I was like, so you need to pay the Harvard tuition, the Penn State tuition, and the LSU tuition? Man, oh man, we better add 300K to your bottom line in the next 12 months, right? He goes, oh, that would be great. That would be fantastic. Now, 
if I didn't know about the tuition, I didn't know about the kids, I didn't know about the urgency, I didn't know about uh, the pressures that this person is under. Again, I'm going to go back to our, our three pack here, personally, professionally, and financially. So yes, they're coming to me for a professional outcome, which is sales mentoring or sales training, but they also have a personal reason for doing this that, hey, my expenses just went up by $150,000 a year. Now, remember, mm -hmm. that's not $150,000 of sales. That's $150,000 of profit that they need. So right. my next question might be, well, Ryan, so we need to put 300K in the bank ASAP. Yeah. What's your profit margin in your business? What's your profit margin on your sale? And the person might say, well, it's about 50%. I say, oh my gosh, so we really got to move the needle by $600,000 to get the $300,000 in your bank account. Right. He goes, yeah, that's about right. And then I say, do you have a plan or do you have a vision for where that $600,000 might come from? David, I really don't. I said, well, let's start brainstorming. So you see what I'm doing here? I am rather than oppositional, you know, I got I to gotta get the data. I got to use the data. It's an adversarial headbutting relationship. I am bringing the prospect around to my side of the table. I am putting out the envelope. I'm grabbing two number two pencils and I'm saying, hey, let's sketch this out. You know, what might this look like to add 600K to your sales over the next 12 months, right? What are your products? What are your services? What are your price points? What are you doing for monthly recurring revenue? Tell me how that's worked in the past. Tell me where you've made some mistakes or hit some brick walls. And we are just exploring. So if I'm talking to Ryan, one of the things that I will say, and I say this with Susan and Jeffrey and everybody, I say, tell me about Ryan World. Tell me mm -hmm. about Jeffrey World. Tell me about Susan World. And that opens them up that I'm really genuinely interested in what they have going on as a three-dimensional human being, not just a prospect or not just as somebody with dollar signs over their head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that. I mean, it's 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 amazing when you approach it that way. The other question I have for you too, David, is I think the hardest part uh, for most of us is generating leads, um, whether we're approaching people on LinkedIn or somewhere else, even through a phone phone call. Um, how do you apply this to, which is to me the hardest part, that cold prospect or that attempt to get an appointment without being a pitchy, you know, hey, let's talk, book a call with me. How do you approach it from that end when it's a colder approach, when it's a colder lead or a cold approach? Right. Well, so great, great question. I want to draw a distinction between an initial connection because every sale, every sale, every customer, everything that we as prospects have ever bought came from some sort of initial connection. Right. with a salesperson or with a company. So right. initial connection is different than cold calling. Yeah. So how do you warm up a cold relationship, someone that doesn't know you from Adam or Eve, has no idea who you are, has no idea why you're reaching out. And it's not just on the phone. It could be phone, it could be email, it could be LinkedIn, it could be social media, it could be in person, it could be at a networking event. The number one thing and it's actually three things. So I guess it's number one, two, and three. Uh, the three things that will take a cold prospect and warm them up. Number one is research. Number two is relevance. Number three is relationship. 
So let's unpack each of those for 30 seconds. Research, research on the company, research on that particular prospect, research on that uh, particular industry. So literally doing 10 or 15 minutes of online research, going to their website, going to their LinkedIn, going to their press release page, going to their products page. If they have a YouTube channel, watching a couple minutes of the YouTube videos mm -hmm. so that when you approach them, so that's the research, when you approach them, you have something relevant, something relevant to share with them, a resource, an article, uh, an insight, an industry trend, and it could be anything that's in the landscape. So I really believe in becoming a student of your prospect's industry and really knowing that prospect better than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. So where are the opportunities? Where are the threats? Where are the risks? What are the emerging technologies? What's their response to automation or AI or uh, augmented reality or any of these new crazy technologies that are coming online? What's the regulatory environment? What's the tax or compliance pressure that they're under? What new market opportunities? What new market segments are they going into? Mm -hmm. So that that level of relevance. So if I can if I can do an initial outreach, and this is where the relationship comes in, where I'm not I'm not asking for anything. My first contact is a give. So I say, Ryan, I noticed that you're in the XYZ industry. You know, the two big market forces that I'm sure are on your mind is talent recruiting and talent retention. I've got a couple of resources. Here's my talent recruiting checklist. And here's my here's an article on LinkedIn about talent retention. Have a look at those. I'd love to know what you think. Now, yeah. no call to action, no book a call, no, I have something to sell you, but genuinely doing the research, reaching out with a relevant resource in the service of opening a relationship. If yeah. you can do five or six or eight of those a day, you will have more prospects and more leads than you know what to do with. And you first showed up on their radar as a resource and not as a pitchy peddler salesperson. And what I love about this is this can work in any situation. I don't care if you're a house cleaner, or a car detailer, or a painter, roofer. You can use this really anywhere. I think especially in B2B, but let, let's approach it from a B2C, though, perspective, David, where you're maybe you're a home service person, right? Sure. How? I mean, obviously, if you're a, if you're an expert in home, you're a home contractor, you're an expert, you have content or you have knowledge from your experience. Right. So would you, if we put it in the position of a, a business to a consumer? Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. I mean, the the biggest example, the best example of this, and, and he's, you know, since launched a huge consulting business and is very, very successful is Marcus Sheridan. Mm -hmm. Marcus Sheridan started a pool company, total commodity. You know, there's a million pool companies. I believe it was in Southern California. So he's in the LA area. Imagine how many pool people, pool installation companies. Tons. So what he started to do is, you know, his guys are out there and they're they're talking to consumers every single hour of every single day. What are the questions that we're getting about pools? What are the questions about pool installation and landscaping and maintenance and cleaning and, you know, different material that goes into a pool. And do I use chlorine? Do I use salt water? Hundreds and hundreds of questions. Yep. And Marcus said, listen, I could go out there and compete 
with every other numbnuts pool guy, or I could become the resource. Yep. So now there's a hundred pool guys, and then there's the pool expert. There's yep. the pool consultant. And what he started to do, and I, I think you know the story, he started to answer every single one of these questions that he was noticing all of his customers and prospects asking. Mm -hmm. So he started to build this very rich resource online. And then when you started to ask these questions, when you put in a Google search, it's like, oh, there's Marcus Sheridan and there's Marcus's company again. And there's Marcus's article and checklist and cheat sheet and side-by-side -side comparison and statistics and advice and recommendations. So for heaven's sakes, if a pool company can do it, we can all do it. Whether you're B2B or B2C, you're exactly right. Yeah. And I think like for me, I'm on the sales technology end. So I, I help franchisors, franchise consultants to use technology, use sales technology we provide to enhance their sales. And I think if you take your concept where you're answering questions and you build content around it, and then you place all of that content into a tool whether it's something I can offer you or any tool that will dynamically change your business because now you have content knowledge, you're providing value and you're getting it out to your database. You're getting it out to your contacts. And that's where you put it all together in one, in one place, pretty much. That's where it's comprehensive, right, David? Exactly right. Exactly right. And you may remember Ryan that in, uh, in the book, I talk about uh, my earlier book, what's called do it marketing. I said, you can take marketing and you take that term totally off the table and replace it with four new words. The four new words are offer value and invite engagement. Yeah. And now with the do it selling book, again, you can take the word sales and selling off the table. And the four new words here are spark conversations and send invitations, right? Send yeah. invitations, spark conversations, and you do that with the research, the relevance, the relationships, and the value that you're adding to your prospect, whether they do business with you or not. Right. So another concept that I want to really reinforce with people, think about happy meal marketing or happy meal selling. So when your clients buy from you, they get a beautiful seven course meal, white tablecloth, china, silverware, three kinds of wine glasses, still not sure what the three kinds of wine glasses are for, but they get the whole enchilada, right? The beautiful yeah. seven course meal. Right. Even people who experience your marketing, even people who experience your sales connection, they should still get a happy meal. They should be better off because they had some initial contact with you. They learned something. They got some insight. They got some advice. They got some, some impact. They were able to make some change whether they do business with you or not. And now your prospects realize, oh my gosh, if I'm getting this from Ryan for free, like this amazing podcast, for example, if I'm getting this from Ryan for free, imagine the value I'll get when I become a paying client. If right. I get this kind of value from David for free, imagine what I get when I become a paying client. That's the energy that you want to put into the marketplace. That yeah. whether they buy from you or not, you have helped them and you have served them by the very content of that sales and marketing material that you're sharing with them. Yeah, yeah. I think this is great. I mean, this can this can go any direction, anywhere you go, any type of sales position you are in, or if you're a business owner, these 
tips and, and ideas are valuable. Uh, so David, where can people find you? Where can they buy the book or get the book? And then what do you have going on? I know you have your own podcast too. I want you to talk about that as well. Yes, 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 yes. So a couple of free resources. One is the podcast called The Selling Show, and that can be accessed wherever you get your fine podcasts. And online, it's theSellingShow.com. We also have a free Do It Marketing Manifesto. That's at doitmarketing.com slash manifesto. And for folks that are interested in the Do It Selling book, there's all kinds of companion resources, tools, downloads, and training videos waiting for you at doitselling.com. That's great. Well, David, this has been fantastic. I'm going to definitely share this uh, around my, you know, my network. I hope you'll share it too. I think this is just tremendously valuable. I recommend you get the book, whether it's on Kindle. I think there's a workbook too with the, with the, to complement the book, right, David, too, like a workbook. Correct. Yeah. When yeah. folks go to doitselling.com, all the companion worksheets and tools in the workbook are down there for you. Great. Well, thank you so much, David. And I hope everybody's gotten some value from this episode. I know I have, and let's keep in touch. Okay. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ryan says, thanks. Your support is appreciated. And hey, even if you don't buy me a coffee, I'm happy to have you listening. So keep it up. And thanks again.